What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Bullshit. A radiophonic novella. Locatora Radio, hosted by Mala Munoz and Diosa Femme. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Locatora Radio. Welcome back, welcome back. This is Mala Munoz. And this is Diosa Femme. Welcome to season three of Locatora Radio, Por Casteras Peligrosas, because Femme Revenge has never sounded so sweet. Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella archiving the brilliance and legacies of women and femmes of color. And we are Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit. Las Locatoras of Locatora Radio. A radiophonic novella. Which is just a really extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Surprise! We dropped a new project. Yes, we did. Loquitas Anonymous has officially been introduced to the world. We're so excited um, for all of you to enter the world of the Patriopocalypse and um, Loquitas Anonymous and learn all about this new universe that we're creating. Um, So we dropped a trailer on our Instagram and our Twitter on Friday, November 1st, and we want to talk to you all about what 
what Lokita Anonymous is, um, our vision, and our November 16th Locatora Live, a podcast party. Yeah, so this has been in the works for a little over a year now. We started talking about this back in 2018 and then started filming in April of 2019. So it has just been an incredible journey to launch this project, to really get it started. So like Mala said, we're going to walk you through the vision and talk about our Locatora Live podcast party. So let's get into the Patriapocalypse. Let's do it. So on November 16th, we will be having our third, I can't believe, our third installment of Locatora Live, a podcast party. Um, It's part three-year Locaversary to celebrate the fact that we've been podcasting now for three years, which Mm -hmm. is wild. I know. It's going to be at the Paramount on Cesar Chavez in Boyle Heights. Um, And the second part of our Locatora Live, a podcast party, is going to be our Loquitas Anonymous project activation. So we're inviting all of you um, to hit up Eventbrite, uh, <laughs> buy your tickets for Locatora Live, a podcast party. So we'll see you at the Paramount on November 16th. And this is going to be a really fun Locatora Live, a little bit different than past um, Locatora Live events that we've done because we're introducing like a whole new branch and a whole new arm of Locatora Radio. We like to think of ourselves basically as a production house, Yeah, um, not only producing podcasts, but parties and everything else. So this is our entryway into creating works of fiction. We're activating Lokitas Anonymous, and we're just really excited to tell you more about the vision and the project. So the setting of Lokitas Anonymous is the Patriopocalypse, which is a near future gender tech dystopia where we are leading a femme resistance and revolution against the patriarchy. Uh, the idea is like if Mala and Diosa existed in another dimension, what would we be doing? Right. Like, would we still be podcasting? Like, what kind of circumstances might we find ourselves in mm-hmm. if the world continues on the path that it's on, <laughs> that right, it's on now? right now? And the answer is yes, we would still be podcasting. Sure, but it would look different, right? And we would be we would have an underground pirate radio, which is what we are doing in Loquitas Anonymous. We have a pirate radio station called Radio Loca. Absolutely. And we continue with this theme of incorporating femme technology in our resistance. And in the world of Loquitas Anonymous and the Patriapocalypse, we cover up our covert femme technology uh, within a nail salon called the Comadre Nail Salon. Uh, and we are leading a femme resistance against the agents of the patriarchy. This is part a film project with what we hope will be episodes, an episodic sort of project on film, live action, paired with a graphic novel. So um, it's sort of supposed to be sort of a two-part project so you can enjoy uh, reading and illustrations in the form of a graphic novel, but we can also take that graphic novel and imagine it on film. So for us, it was important to do that, and that's why we dropped a trailer with a lot of our friends who helped (laughs) us. So let's talk about the short. And um, there's a trailer that you've all seen on Instagram. And then at Locatora Live, a podcast party for the project activation, we're going to show an extended trailer. Yeah, it's a a 10-minute short film, about 10 minutes short film, where we walk you through the world that we've created in Loquitas Anonymous, in the 
patriarchalistic society and all the different women and femmes that are in this world, which are also in our real lives. So, yes, it you know. At Locatora, you know that we are all about, if you've been to any of our workshops, if you've heard us talk, we're all about building horizontally, which means working with the folks around us. So we really brought and hired like all of our friends to make this project possible. We reached out and got community support from different folks that uh, are creators, that are artists, that have spaces that they lent us. So really a community project. Uh, This is a community project. 100%. So... It's a science fiction short, and uh, it was really created by essentially an all Latinx cast and crew. Mm -hmm. So the idea is even taking one of the other themes from our podcast, which has been Femme Revenge, in addition to Femtech, and turning it into a sci-fi piece. So um, we want to thank specific people who worked with us to help make this project a reality. So first of all, um, our team... Chava Sanchez, Michelle Morrow, and Javi Mendoza, who helped, especially with the production side, the filmmaking side, and the directing and editing, which is mm-hmm. where Chava and Michelle really just played a humongous role. They're already our video photo team for the podcast regularly, so they understand our vision and what we were going for. Javi is another person who's worked with us behind the scenes on a lot of stuff, and he helped to produce um, the film. Yeah. And then as far as talent... We brought in so many of our friends, such as the lovely Vanessa Romo, model and former guest of Locatora Radio, Mala's, or our homegirl, but Mala's like childhood lifelong friend, mm-hmm. the Trappy Gothis, uh, Jen Torres, aka Jen from the Block. My sister, Yvonne Munoz, um, she makes an appearance as well. <laughs> we also have our homegirl, Crisol of uh, Selenamos and Crisol y los Efectos. Ameli, a young IG baddie that yes. we have been following for a couple of years. And she's like the youth. Like, I, I believe she's like 19 or 20 years old. Very young. So we just wanted to also incorporate someone that's younger and like being able to bring them into a project that we're working on. Yes. Um, also, DJ Zuri is um, front and center mm-hmm. in this film. And she looks like a baddie. Yes, she, she looks does. so good. She's such a natural. When y'all like watch the film, like when... Chava was filming her. Yes. She was just like strutting and walking. Working and it. I was like, Zudi, you've done this before, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Like, And she told me, she, yeah, I was in a music video. Yes, she was. <laughs> and, and She is a video vixen for sure. She's a pro. So shout out DJ Zuri. And DJ Zuri is going to be joining us on November 16th at Locatora Live at the Paramount. She's going to be one of our DJs mm-hmm. um, helping us to party the night away at the Locati- Locatitas. <laughs> At the Lokita's Anonymous activation and the after party throwdown. So make sure you come out to see Zuri. We also want to thank the ethical punk who made a cameo in Lokita's Anonymous. Yes. And shout out to my man and his friend, Adrian, who were also a part of it. I like literally had to look at like, there's only like three men that I know in my real life. And then we're also a part of the film because I really only know three men. And also my cousin is in it. Yes. So like the only three men that I know are also in the film. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for bringing them. Thank you for bringing the men. We needed bearded men. We did. Specifically. Specifically. Yes. The bearded men. Find me among the bearded men. Yes. (laughs) So they're in there. There's men. There are men with beards in Lucky Those Anonymous. We also want to thank Alex Zamora, who I've also known since I was a kid. 
because he is the Choppy Gothis's brother. So it's a family affair. A family affair for sure. And also shout out to Ernie Prieto. He also filmed our first video with Me Too, our yes. first feature. And then also he helped with the cinematography the the video the videography he, the ca- he was the cameraman he was the cameraman uh huh for Lokita's anonymous yes. so shout out Ernie um my friend that I've known since kindergarten Catherine Homans uh she did our poster art and you'll see different green and black imagery throughout as well as the logos that were created for Lokita's anonymous Kathy made those my lifelong friend and also our resident makeup artist mm-hmm. Roberto he did a phenomenal job. He did our makeup, our hair, and every single one of the uh, folks that are in the the cast, he also did their hair and makeup. Yes. You'll notice really beautiful makeup work, um, gems on the, on the face, and Robert put all of those looks together for us. He did a phenomenal job. Yeah. And also shout out to Paolo of the Cumbiaton Collective. He was our set photographer, so you'll see some of that imagery shared at the event and then also on the Instagram. And then we had two lovely PAs who helped out a lot on set, Lizette Lopez and Gabriel Danny Reyes. And Danny has taken pictures of us before mm-hmm. for our last look at Thora Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was nice um, to work on another sort of project with Danny. Yeah. And then also a shout out again to the Tropi Gothis. She did a lot of the styling, the majority of the styling when it came to the jewelry mm-hmm. and the looks, the, the day, accessories. Uh, the accessories. Yeah. So shout out. We love our team. Y'all are so amazing. And we're like beyond grateful that you allow us to work with you, that you come on board with our projects. It's super amazing. We're blessed to know all of you. So blessed. So blessed. And everything came out beautifully. And I feel like it's because like it was authentic, like friendships and community energy to bring it together. Like it just made sense. One of my favorite things was when we were all on set just seeing the girls just like all talking to each other so very organically. And some of them were meeting for the first time in real life, but have been following each other like many of us yep, do yep. and just like immediately clicked. And that's how you know that it's real and it's genuine. And the connection is just like no other. Love it. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. And everybody in their pink jumpsuits and dressed up. And at one point, like they all walked to go get Boba and they were in their full, full costume, full makeup, full wardrobe. And they looked great. It was so So fun. Just like overtaking what downtown Whittier. Yes. Uptown Whittier. Uptown Whittier. (laughs) Dead. So speaking of Uptown Whittier, Mm -hmm. we recorded, uh, we filmed, in different community spaces, thanks to our friends. So the very first space that we used was Espacio 1839. You know that this is where we record. Naturally. Out of their community radio station. They let us film here at like midnight the on dead, a Friday the dead night. dead of night. Yeah. And just that they trust us enough. Thank you so much, yeah. Nico and Myra. Shout out, Nico. Shout out, Myra. You're real ones. Yeah. They um, really are real ones. They really are real ones. They hold it down always. Um, and then also Whittier Beauty Collective is another space, another location that we filmed. That is where I get my nails done. I get facials done there. They do um, hair as well, lashes and everything. My nail tech is the owner, Retro Nails, Val- Valerie Ramirez. So I want to shout out her and thank her as well for allowing us to film there. Yeah, I mean, you'll see in the in the trailer and in the short that we're in this beautiful like salon space. Mm-hmm. So we're lucky to have had access to that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we also want to thank, I mean, it was community sponsors like all the way around mm-hmm. for like every aspect of this. Cholas y Chulas um, supplied a lot of the beautiful gems and decals and things for the faces. Mm-hmm. Belladonna sponsored the hair clips. You can see I'm wearing one that says Diosa, Mala's wearing one that says Loca, mm-hmm. and also a couple of belts that the girls wore as accessories. Yes. Uh, Hipiteca donated hoops and, or earrings and different accessories. Viva Cosmetics also donated lipsticks. Yes. So we were every, every single person was wearing a Viva Cosmetics lipstick. Happily Ever Gold donated the nail decals that you're going to see in the short film. You see a little bit of the decals in the trailer, but they're much more um, prominent in the short. Mm-hmm. Um, La Gelaguetza donated La food, food for us. Yes. So we were able to feed like 20 people the day of. And y'all know food is expensive. Very expensive. So we are like so thankful that they donated. They've donated in the past and they donated this time as well. And that was, we were just super grateful to them. Yeah. Shout out Galagetza holding it down. Um, Carlita designs a lot of the beautiful jewelry that you see us wearing. Like I'm wearing this gold rope choker in the trailer and in the short Mm -hmm. and these gold like Wonder Woman cuffs and then Mm -hmm. this big like wolf pendant. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are all from Carlita designs. Yeah. And yeah, she just has beautiful work. Um, we have just been fans of Carlita Designs and have been wearing her stuff even more as of lately. Mm-hmm. And also the La Luna Designs, uh, we were wearing some of her stuff as well. And she custom dyed all of the jumpers. Everything that yes. you see that's pink that we're wearing, she dyed for us. Thank you, Virginia. So thank you for doing that. Yes. Uh, what else? The earrings that the girls are wearing mm-hmm. that our cast is wearing, those big earrings are also from De La Luna yeah. Designs. We also want to thank Homegirl's Beauty Shop. She donated all of the lashes that we're wearing. Gorgeous. And they're beautiful. You have to check her out. Yes, gorgeous. I mean, these are all like Latinx owned Mm -hmm. brands and companies and Mm -hmm. restaurants and all this stuff. So it's truly like all Latinx all the way around. Yeah. And I just want to say I won't say names, but we reached out to a bigger Latinx owned Mm -hmm. corporation that has various um, stores and storefronts. And we reached out asking them for a donation and they didn't want to give us anything. No, they didn't. No, Um, they didn't. And we shout them out all the time. We shout them out all the time. But um, because, you know, we're still indie, they just don't see the investment and they don't see that we're worth the investment. But when you look at who's around you and who's creating... Um, and who's within your community, like who's your peer, really? They're the ones that are re- that are willing to invest in you. Every single person that we asked immediately said, yes, where can I send it to? How much do you need? Right. And we feel so indebted to y'all. We love y'all so much. Like truly, this is a community sponsored project. Truly. Um, and down to the last, last, last details, including the music and the soundtrack. So... Um, the music that you hear on the trailer and then that's in the short is based off of a song called Trill Lolita by Itzel Choco. So Itzel is a friend of mine who um, is just like a jack of all trades and is this incredible artist. She does a lot of beautiful collage mm-hmm. work and you've probably seen Itzel's collage work online. Um, she is a Hawaiian artist and back in the day she was real, real, real internet famous with this song Trill Lolita and she like toured in Europe with this song as like a 19 year old. So (laughs) when I met her a few years ago in LA, like I remembered her, I like remembered this song. And when it came time to put this 
filmed together, I was like, you guys, I know the song. <laughs> it's fucking Trill Lolita and it's perfect. And so we want to thank Itzel for letting us use the song. Mm-hmm. And we also want to thank DJ Bianca Oblivion who took the song and then kind of made a jingle out of it. She yeah. remixed it. You know, we love a jingle. We love a good jingle. Yeah. And you know, I think it's important for us to share the behind the scenes and all of the work that went into curating this community sponsored event and also Latin, all Latinx cast and crew because people can put stuff out, but you don't necessarily know the inner workings of it. But I think it's important for us to share because whatever project that you want to do, this is one way that you can do it. You can look at who's around you. You can look at who's willing to invest in you, whether that be small or little, you know, so just a little like drop of knowledge that we can share and hope that you, you know, use it as well. Absolutely. And, you know, as always, we always plug like the podcast Venmo for podcast things. And we will be putting out more information about how you can support Lokitas Anonymous Mm -hmm. as a project. We're still indie and you can imagine all the people we just listed. And like, even though we had help and community sponsors, we still, you know, paid for lots of these things out of pocket to Mm -hmm. make this project a reality and bring the vision to life. So that being said, if you would like to support the project, there's a lot of different ways you can do so. Um, Come to Locatora Live, a podcast party on November 16th. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. You can also always hit the Locatora Venmo um, if you want to help support this Mm -hmm. project. And we're at Locatora-Radio. Yes. And also, if you do come to the party, buy some merch. We are designing specific Loquitas Anonymous merch that we will be debuting at the actual show. You know that we don't necessarily have an online store right now. So if you want to buy any merch from us, definitely you can do so in person. And that has been Loquitas Anonymous. Yes, for now. For now. For now. There's so much more. There's yeah. so much more to come. So um, we are going to go ahead and uh, switch to a song break. And today we are actually going to be airing a live episode that we did with Sizzle Fantastic, DJ Sizzle Fantastic, and Norms La Oaxaqueña Fajardo. We had a conversation with them for Hispanic Heritage Month live at The Wing last month or two months ago now in September. So we're going to have share that conversation with y'all today. We invite y'all to come to Locatora Live, a podcast party, our three-year anniversary support, invite your friends, buy a ticket, do all that. And we'll see you there. Besitos. Podcasteras peligrosas. Coming. My name is Jade, and I'm the events logistics coordinator here at The Wing in West Hollywood. Um, if you've never been here before, welcome. 
Um, it's exciting to see new faces um, for these events. Um, and I just wanted to let you guys know that this is our first event that we're doing in celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month here at the Wing. We have a whole line of programming this month, which is really exciting. And we're very happy to kick it off today with this very special live recording of Locatora Radio. Um, Locatora Radio has been featured in Forbes and Oprah. And if you're new to the show, you can listen to it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Please welcome Mala and Diosa. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. Can you give a, a warm welcome to our guests tonight? DJ Sizzle Fantastic and Norms La Oaxaqueña. Yeah, thank you so much to our locamores for coming out here to the west side. We know it's a little bit of a trek. So we appreciate you all coming out here on a Monday night. Uh, we're really excited to be in conversation with our dear friends of the Cumbiaton Collective. So let's get started. Let's get into it. So for those that don't know, I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. And we are Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit. Las, locator <laughs> <laughs> Las Locatoras of Locatora Radio. Which is just a really, really extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast. So thank you all for coming out here. This is our launch, our kickoff for Hispanic Heritage Month 2019. Make some noise, make some noise. And you know, you may know Hispanic Heritage Month as that mythical time of year where suddenly journalists, brands, government officials, they love us, they want to be with us, they want to talk to us, they love the Latinx community. Um, and so we're excited to celebrate Latinidad all year, but especially this month, um, and highlight some really important movement makers and change makers, the Cumbiaton Collective. So thank you too for being here today. Yeah, so, you know, there are so many things to celebrate about Latinx Heritage Month all year round, like Mala mentioned, from party collectives to live events to music. Latinas are culture makers and culture shifters. So we're excited to be in conversation with y'all today, uh, chatting with the co-founders of Cumbiaton Collective. So we're going to introduce our guest. Mala, do you want to get us started? Yes. So I have the immense honor and privilege of introducing DJ Sizzle Fantastic. Swagged the fuck out. Uh, so DJ Sizzle, she is a DJ. She's an event curator from La Costa de Guerrero, Mexico. Make some noise, make some noise. Uh, Sizzle was raised in Boyle Heights, and she holds residencies for parties across the country, San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles. She's coast to coast. Let's make some noise for Sizzle. And I'm so excited to introduce Norms Fajardo, otherwise known as Norms La Oaxaqueña. She's a proud Oaxaqueña raised in South Central LA and co-founded Cumbiaton Collective and manage, manages event production. She's also the co-host of Venimos a Triunfar, which is an undocu podcast that documents the multifaceted lives of two undocumented women. Give it up for Norms. 
So we want to thank you especially for coming all the way out to the West Side tonight. I know for us, whenever we need to go deep into the West Side, we're like, oh my God, it's a journey. It's an odyssey. All the freeways, <laughs> like three, four freeways to get here, for me at least. Every freeway. Um, so thank you for being here. The first time I ever went to a cumbiaton party was at the Billiards and Pool Hall on First Street in Boyle Heights. Woop woop, make noise. BH. And just this Friday, right, we were at the Globe Theater for the two-year anniversary of Cumbiaton. Yes, yes, huge, right? So can you give us a little bit of a history, a history, a story behind going from the billiards to the Globe and the Cumbiaton journey? Yeah, Yeah, hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> I'm super happy to be here. Muchísimas gracias, Diosa Mala and the Locamores for showing up and turning it the hell out all the time, always, forever and always. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely been quite a journey and it was definitely emotional this past Friday celebrating our two years. We literally went, I don't know if y'all are familiar with where Boyle Heights is at or where the um, pool hall is at, where we first started, but it's like this little rinky-dink hole-in-the-wall bar um, that fits maybe what like 200 people tops if that no AC no nothing it doesn't even have like DJ equipment no lights and so we literally had to cash only only here yeah but people still turned out to our events even back then right so our first event consisted of maybe like 50 people if that and it was all of our like close friends Basically, <laughs> our families our and our close friends up, yeah But little by little, our movement started growing, and um, before you knew it, you know, um, our community really was just so grateful to have a space where they can come and dance and be their most authentic selves, where they weren't going to get judged for what they were going to be wearing, how they were going to be dancing, right? group of women would come and just like feel completely safe and just, you know, um, happy to be in a space where, you know, you saw representation not only behind the DJ booth, but, you know, from the people who charge to the people who are taking the pictures to the people who are just emceeing, right? It's a, it's a true representation of what our communities are about. Um, and this past Friday was just a testament of all of that. In these two years, we've grown from, you know, 50 people to now selling out venues that are 1,000 to 1,500 deep. So, you know, that that's just a testament to Congratulations. what... Congratulations. Thank you, Vul. Muchísimas gracias. It was amazing. Yeah. So, thank you. Um, so, yeah. So, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary on Friday. It was our biggest venue yet, the Globe Theater, historic Globe Theater in downtown LA. And it was definitely magical. Like, it was very emotional. It was very memorable. The whole, the anxiety, the stress, the lack of sleep leading up to the event was definitely real. So I'm still like processing that and recovering from that. But it was a beautiful sight to see the globe all packed and everyone having a good time and people, you know, coming up to us telling us that they had an amazing time at Comiaton. So our journey has been has been has been real and it's Comiaton has definitely grown and we're really happy for that. And I also want to add that the Globe Theater, we were their first Latin cumbia-centric party that they've ever hosted in all of their years in downtown Los Angeles. So 
you know, that's just a testament to our culture, to our people, and how far we can come if we collectively work towards something that is true to our roots and our values. So, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So can y'all take us back? You talked about the very first Cumbiaton, right, being in Boyle Heights and then moving to this very big venue in downtown L.A. So right before the inception, the creation of Cumbiaton, the Cumbiaton Collective, what was the inspiration? What was the moment that you were like, OK, we need to do something. We need to do this really big collective and this party, this movement? Well, um, a huge catalyst to the creation of Cumiaton was um, essentially the president that we have now becoming president. Um, we, and this is a story that I love hearing Cecil, you know, like talk about it, but we essentially, a bunch of us undocumented folks, um, we gathered at this bar in Lincoln Heights. La Chupere, I don't know if anyone knows about it, but oh, they yeah. sell bomb, bomb micheladas, bomb nachos, tacos. I'm hungry now. I'm hungry. You would swear we're sponsored, but we're not. We just love the spot. Um, So a bunch of us gathered there, a bunch of us undocumented folks, and we basically saw the election happening live. And once we realized that this this fool was going to be president... um, it was just a very heavy moment. Um, a bun- also, many of us are uh, folks that have been involved with undocumented or immigrant rights movement, and so we knew that things were going to get even worse, right? And we know the emotional toll that um, fighting for immigrant rights and the mental health uh, issues that come up with that were going to get even worse. And so I think, yeah, that was a huge catalyst for the creation of Comiaton because we wanted to create a space where it was foreign documented folks to come and, you know, release their stress, you know, live in, dance and joy and just even for a little bit forget about the issues going on in the world or at least share space with people that are going in the same going through the same struggle so i would say that was a huge catalyst for comiaton and I, I'm wondering, too, how you all found each other. And for those in the audience that are new to the Cumbiaton Collective, could you describe who's in the collective? Yeah. What makes up the, who makes up the collective? And how did you all come to find each other and work together? So as Norms was mentioning, um, we all do come from an organizing background. That means that we are the racheteros crazies that are taking up, you know, in politicians' office, blocking the streets, you know, um, to stop someone's deportation, or you know, trying to talk to workers that are with that are being exploited, right? So we do come from an organizing background, whether it's immigrant rights, labor rights, or just community organizing through and through. Um, That's how Norms and I actually met through an internship with the um, AFL-CIO, which is one of the largest um, labor organizations in in the nation. And that's how we kind of, you know, that's how our first interactions were. It was through workers' rights. But then we solidified our friendship through music. We were like, yeah, dude, I mean, yes, we love hip-hop, obviously. We love, like, oldies. We love, you know, ratchet shit, too. (laughs) The Beatles, all of that. I'm not saying the Beatles are ratchet, but you know what I mean. Um, But then we were like, our our kind of, where our our friendship solidified, we both had such a love for cumbia. So Norms is from Oaxaca. I'm from Guerrero, right? So these are two um, states in Mexico that are 
are known for like the cultura, the music, the food, everything, right? And that's how we kind of became to just move on this now movement, right? To create something that it was going to be representative of our roots, as, as Norms mentioned, right? Like we're both undocumented. Um, so we knew that, you know, we needed to do something not only that was going to focus on our communities as like, you know, Mexicanas, but also undocumented Mexicanas and whatever project was going to come after that also had to involve other undocumented artists. So Norms ended up being, well, Norms ended up being um, like the production manager of Cumiaton. Um, I ended up being uh, the DJ and like, you, you know, the person that kind of does like the liaison with like artists and you know just community um, folks then we brought on DJ Funky Caramelo who's another badass amazing DJ um, and Paolo who is a photographer who has been in the LA you know nightlife for about a good 10 years now um, and Julio Salgado as well we brought him on after as our uh, flyer maker slash twerker <laughs> slash yes. I, don't, I don't, like you have to meet Julio he's, he's a character all of all on his own follow our stories follow our down. stories to know our team but all of our folks are folks within the undocumented community who are making waves who are shifting culture who are being bold enough to you know just continue to create art even with all odds stacked against them, you know, and for us that's super important from, you know, our production to everything that we do, right, to center our communities, because a lot of the time people will forget to really invest or just look within their own circle of amazing talent, right? But we acknowledge that, and we're like, why are we going to try and go get X promoter, or why are we going to try and go get an established DJ or an established photographer when the talent is right within our community? So that's where we started. Um, and that's how, um, you know, our solid, badass, little immigrant that could team came about. Yeah, and Can we make noise for that? That's, that's, yeah, and I have a follow-up question. So do I. Okay, you go first. Okay, 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 okay. thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I love the connection organizing for immigrant rights right. to party planning, which is its own type of organizing. Mm -hmm. Can you talk cool. about partying as political and why? Well, okay, so um, <laughs> it's a loaded question, but um, essentially, I mean, Cumbiaton is a space that we created for folks to come in and be themselves, right? It's a space where all people of different shapes and sizes to come and be themselves, especially as a, you know, as a fat woman of color, like, Clubs were never really uh, welcoming to me, and so I wanted Cumiaton to be that home for me and for other people. But just in general, like Cumiaton is a space for, like I said, undocumented folks to come in and know that this is their space, and this is like we make the rules there, and you do what you want to do because this is this is your home, this is your space. Um, but yeah, we're aside from that, Cumiaton is also. Ooh, 
our, our, our goal is to use Cumiatón. Yes, come and party with us because, you know, we're, we're going through the same struggle, but we're also going to use Cumiatón to politicize folks. Hey, like, this is what's going on in the world. Um, this is what you should learn about. You should, you know, read about these bills. You should sign up for these um, um, sign, why am I blanking out? But um, Sign petitions. Petitions, thank you. Sign petitions, get more uh, involved, learn about this, you know, like learn, use what you learn about Comiaton and you go and, you know, like use it in your everyday life, inform other people about what the undocumented, you know, immigrant struggle is. So come party and come learn with us, basically. And further, just within, I mean, yes, we are an undocumented-led collective, but I think for us also it's about uplifting um, the oppressed minorities, right? Whether it's black folks, whether it's queer folks, gender nonconforming folks, right? People that would otherwise wouldn't have access to the platforms that we are now creating, right? So it's, it's a lot about also providing those types of resources to folks that, you know, we, we were just talking about this. It's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily come down to the talent because the talent is out there. I can name so many talented people just off the back of my head that are within our close circle, but they don't have, you know, the access to the connections, the access to the resources, right? And a lot of the time, the people that get put on the platforms aren't the people with the talent aren't the people with that should be there they're the people with connections unfortunately right so for us it's really important to continue to like look back within our own communities and be like nah dude like you want to you want to have you know this immigrant rights fundraiser xxxx or you want to have you know you want to talk about immigrants rights but then have all citizens on a panel or have all citizens artists up there and it's like nah son like we're here right like we're here we exist and there's so many of us that are consistently just pushing out work um but further, I think just because we are also, we do come from the organizing background, um, organizing for those of you who have been it in whatever capacity, you know how stressful and how crazy it can be, right? So for it, like for us to be able to create a space where people can come heal through music on the dance floor, y'all, that has been such a moving um, it, 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 it's one of those moving commentaries that people consistently give us, right? Thank you for creating this space. Thank you for, you know, allowing us to dance and like, you know, even escape, even if it's for those two hours in the night, right? Because some of y'all be coming in at 11 and our party ends <laughs> like at one. So I'm going to just That's say. Us. <laughs> that was <laughs> us on Friday. Okay. You know, but okay, people girl. come out to recharge, to rejuvenate, to release, to de-stress. And it's like almost this sacred magic that happens on the dance floor that you may or may not see if you are just like on the dance floor you may check out somebody and be like hey girl I see you feeling yourself right but we're up here in the DJ booth or we're up here emceeing we're here capturing pictures and we see that and we get so emotional it's so hard to hold I mean we're both cancers <laughs> let me start uh -oh. there so we, we both consistently just look over and we're like I cried Friday. I don't know about you, but I cried it's Friday. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to see our people rejoicing in each other's 
you know, livelihoods and in turn resistance because this world is trying to fuck us all up, you know? The way it's set up right now is trying to, you know, deter us from reaching our optimum self, I guess. But, um, you know, we're out here trying to make these waves and trying to um, just provide this type of refuel for our folks. Can we show love to that answer? <laughs> I'm like, that was an essay in words. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm like, did Sizzle just like write her dissertation up here? Or like <laughs> We'll get you the recording afterwards. Yeah, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> write that all down. Um, so my question, kind of pivoting back a little bit, when you were talking about uh, working intra-community, right, and working with our folks, one thing that we've noticed and that we love about y'all is that you bring in your moms, you bring in the tias, you bring in your family members, right? And for us, like, as indie creators, like, Mala's sister works, uh, she does, she's our events manager, right, our, our stage manager, and um, our moms are, like, very supportive and help us in multiple ways uh, along the, like, throughout the past three years now, right? So... What has that been like involving your family? I know, like, Sizzle, your mom was there Friday dancing with Julio. Like, <laughs> on stage. On they stage. weren't twerking. They weren't dancing. They, were, they, they weren't were twerking. twerking. Yeah. So, like, yeah, what has that been like? I, I knowing you, it's been very intentional to bring in your family and specifically your mother. Can you touch on that? Please. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, for us, Cumbiaton has rooted itself not only in our love for Cumbia, but our love for Cumbia comes from our parents, you know, our ancestors, our tias, our brothers, our primos, primas, primexes, right? Whoever really just kind of put that type of music on, put us onto that type of music so early on, right? Whether it was blasting the cumbias on Saturdays or Sunday mornings, and that's how you knew you had to clean, right? <laughs> it was also a way to also get you so culturally like aware of all of the beats and talents that our community has, right? Um, obviously, Cumbia started off in Colombia, but then started making its way to like Central America, Mexico, and now it's a world worldwide sound. Um, but it's been so important to us to focus on on family dynamics because those are the feelings and those are the memories that bring back the most nostalgia and that make us feel safe, you know. When this world is trying to crush us day in and day out, those are the memories that we hold on to a lot of the time, right? That involve our family, love, that involve all these deep and strong ties. So for us, it's very intentional to continue to uplift, you know, that all of this knowledge is ancestral knowledge. And, you know, a lot of the values and a lot of the things that I have are owed to my mama, you know? She raised me in the swap meet, so I was out there hustling and selling, talking to senoras, trying to sell, you know, whatever I could sell for a quarter, for $2, you know? I was out there hustling from a very, very early age. And I owe a lot of who I am to my mom. Um, She's not here. She's supposed to be here with my tia, but they went out shopping, and then they're like, hey, we're trying to get over there right now. And I'm like, girl, it is 7.15. This is over at 8. But you know what? I'm going to let you do your thing. Um, but anyway, you know, it's, it's so important because, again, it's just paying homage and respect to them, to our elders who have just for years been pushing this cultural movement forward that now, for whatever reason, is becoming more, I don't know, hip or more 
or but it's like I, I saw somewhere that someone was like yeah cumbia is like the new sound cumbia is a new movement I'm like bitch where where you been at all these fucking years you know what I mean but I don't know it's, it's just different people but I'll, I'll let you take it away because I'm about to get into my political rant right now I just wanted to add that um, I mean, my mom isn't really involved in the in in the space, but I do love that we have been able to create a space where people actually bring their moms and their grandmas and their tias, and they're having the time of, the time of their lives. So I I'm really happy we have that space. Yeah, we've seen like your you had a Dia de las Madres event, which was amazing. Yeah. I tried taking my mom, but it was like nine o'clock, and she was like, "No, I can't go out anymore." <laughs> She's like, ya estoy señora. Like, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> that event was beautiful. And I did cry because um, the moms were there right at 9 p.m. And <laughs> and many of the moms were dancing from 9 to 2 a.m. Yes. They did not sit down. Yes. So I that was be your mom, Mala. I was really happy for that. I, yeah. And they probably had like one drink tops and that was it. <laughs> well, we gave they them were good. Free, we offered free wine for the moms. You know, it's their special day. They yeah. deserve the best. So they had the times of the time of their life. So I was really happy for that. Give it up for moms. Yeah. We love moms. Uh, Sizzle, I love that you bring up the swap meet <laughs> because... Um, I see the swap meet in Cumbiaton. Yeah. And let me say why, right? Because Cumbiaton is not just the party. There's vendors. There's food. It's a whole affair. And it's something so cultural. We love a mercado. Yeah. We love a flea market. We love a swap meet, whether it's the Mercadito, PCC, Santa Fe Springs, um, the Callejones. Yeah. Yes, like we, like Latinx folks, love a community mercado where we can sell, we can show our wares, our artistry, and buy from the community. And you've replicated that within the party. Can you talk about like doing that and creating that space and how that came about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, deriving from lived experiences, being in the swap meets, um, creating that type of community within, right? You would go there every Saturday or every Sunday, and you already knew Don Jose was going to set up next to you, Doña Chucha was going to set up, you know, on the other side, and you were going to go get tacos from Chino's Tacos right up in front, you know? So it's like this whole community that you were able to build and to create almost like a family. Family, right? Your regular customers would come by, you would ask them, hey, how's your daughter? You know, I haven't seen her. We go to school together, you know, things like that. Um, and it's a very, I don't know, I, I feel that that type of relationship or that type of culture that is formed for a lot of undocumented immigrants, that's like your extended family. You know, a lot of us come to this country without our families. You know, we can't bring our 20, 30, 50 tias, tios, primas, whatever, right? So we continue to build these communities amongst ourselves and you see these at the swap meet. So that's where my roots come from. And I was like, you know what, if we're doing, and obviously at the swap meets, right, you can have a swap meet without music so you would have the dj you know playing all the cumbias all the jams all the whatever was popping he was playing 
Um, and now, you know, moving it into venues, we were like, no, this is what we have to do because this is true to our communities. This is true to our culture. And what we've been able to do um, at most cumiatons is have our vendors come in and also give them that opportunity, give them that platform to do their small business entrepreneurship yeah. like ventures. Yeah, it's about, you know, supporting each other's hustle and us actually, you know, I was really happy, for example, our first Comiaton, we had Arte Pipiris Nice. I don't know if you follow them on IG, but I was a huge fan of them um, while I was in school. And so I was really happy to invite them to our first ever Comiaton. And so not only, not only are we fans of their work, but we like it, it is very crucial for us to support each other's hustle. So Comiaton was also that space for them. Yeah, and I love that y'all are talking about entrepreneurship, right? Especially, um, we, we think of like the side hustle, right? But like our communities are also like so, they're such geniuses that they have like been entrepreneurs and side hustlers since like before the term side hustler, hustlers, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm going to let you finish. Yes. <laughs> Sizzle agrees with me, y'all. Okay. So, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before we came out here about being women of color, being entrepreneurs, having to work with predominantly white men, right? Or being just women and working with maybe white women or, you know, whatever that may be going into these spaces. Can you talk to us about that experience being the entrepreneurs that you are, moving from, you know, bigger venues and what that's been like. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm the production manager for Comiaton, which essentially means, you know, looking over the logistics of, like, the entire run of the show, right? What the, booking the talent, what they need, um, how our show, our production's going to look like making sure that the venue has this information, making sure we have the equipment available, making sure we have hospitality, like all the details involved in the in, in the event, right? And so, like Diosa said, it's we're mostly dealing with older white men. Um, and with that comes a lot of having sometimes to bite your tongue. However, um, it's just really frustrating because a lot of the times they uh, they underestimate us. You know, we it's a collective of mostly of brown folks who are undocumented. They don't they don't see us packing the venue and having an, a successful event, but we always freaking do. Um, every so, time, every time, every Thank time. You. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, I, the older white men aren't gonna like. A, a woman of color telling them what to do or telling them, hey, like, I send you this information. How come you don't have it? Get your shit together, basically. <laughs> um, and it's also dealing with not just older white men, but, like, young white men who do the bare minimum. And I'm there questioning, like, how the hell do you have a job if I send you all this information and you still can do it, you know? So um, it's very frustrating, but it has definitely taught me a lot of lessons where, like, hey, like, I know my shit and I need to remember that. And when I send you this information and I, I get to the event, I know exactly what I'm going to be expecting. And if you don't have it, then you're already, you've already messed up and I'm already, I'm already unhappy. And so I need to, like, step it up and be more assertive, right? But um, the key here is to be assertive from the beginning. Know that you already know your shit and demand for what you already know you need or you know your event um, needs, right? So 
it's just like growing tougher skin, being more uh, sure of what you uh, of yourself and uh, and what you already know. So it's a learning lesson. Every every event we go into, it's always a new lesson being learned. It happened at the Globe. So I'm just like, you know, keeping tabs, keeping notes. Like, you know, like I'm getting better with each and every um, cumbiaton. But yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, and I've like, I've said this before to Sizzle. We've like been on the phone together. And I'm just going to say this so I can put it out there and we can manifest it. I cannot wait until we own our own space, our own venue, so that we can be renting out to women, to Wendaki folks, to our queer friends, our queer community, and like being able to put on our own events and not be underestimating each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. And you like, again, from the organizing roots, Billiards and Pool Hall, too. The Cumbiaton Collective has been to Harvard to yeah. speak. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that, that, that getting recognition from universities, from press, from publications, speaking at places like Harvard and representing for your community and what that's been like? Yeah, and okay, so that is another ballpark, right? Because it's all of these Ivy League prestigious, you know, schools, Harvard, Brown, we're going to be at Brown um, in two weeks giving lessons <laughs> to um, Brown students who are, again, Ivy League students um, about entrepreneurship, right? Um, for me, I started doing parties, believe it or not, um, when I was 15 or so. Back in the day, we used to have flyer parties. I don't know how old y'all are right now. <laughs> the flyer if you remember parties. the flyer parties, whoop-de-whoop, what's up? Um, right? But my career started, I'm 30 now, 15 years ago, right? And nobody really knows this. Like, these white men, these like old white men, these like younger little bros that just got out of fucking college and think there's some shit. You know, I'm like, dude, seriously, I was doing this shit when somebody was changing your diapers. Seriously, right? And it's about having all of this business experience that I didn't know back in the day, right, was going to, like, serve me, right? My mom used to tell me, ¿Qué te va a dejar ir a los parties? ¿Qué te va a dejar la borrachera? And I'm like, look at me now, mom. Ya ves? <laughs> right? So don't let anybody tell you party won't lead to anything. Because <laughs> we're out here speaking at Harvard and at Brown when with the locatoras at the wing, I'm just saying. Um, but for real, it's, it's this thing where, like, now, um, you know, different college students or, like, different universities are looking to collectives like us because we've been able to grow something that started off in a little hole in the wall of 50 people, and we've been able able to branch it out to cities like San Francisco, like Seattle. We're going to be in New York at the end of the month, right? And these are all residencies that we've been able to make within these two years. So, I mean, for thank you. For us, that's been such a freaking, like, just affirmation, right, that whatever we can, that whatever we set our minds to do as women, as queer folks, as undocumented people, as oppressed minorities, we can can do, you know, when we have each other's backs like that, right? So, I mean, that, that, you're like, <sighs> yeah, no, I'm like, I just want to affirm that so much because, you know, I, like, I got my degree, I graduated from UC Santa Barbara back in uh, 2015, and I just, I feel like the way I was taught, and even in undergrad, either, like, in my family or, like, at school, it was very linear, 
you know? So it was like, I had to get a degree in order to get a job, you know? But like what you're talking about is like, no, I've been doing this shit since I was 15. And like, now that you're going into Ivy leagues and you're talking about the entrepreneurship of what you've been doing, like it's so mind blowing to me. And I just want to affirm that, that that's so fucking badass. And that's amazing that like these now young college students have like y'all, the Cumbiaton Collective to talk about entrepreneurship. And like, you can be doing this shit while you're in undergrad, you know, like while you're in school or you don't have to go to school. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, because there's so much to say about that, too, because and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, don't go to college. Nah, dude, go to college. Get that freaking get that book smart, but also get that street smart. You know what I mean? The most lethal combination, in my opinion, is somebody who's both school and street smart straight up right because you know the ins and outs out of the institutions out of the streets and I think that is like most of our collective so you know just be always mindful of that and even if maybe school is not the right path for you don't let anybody talk you out of your dreams especially out of your creative dreams you know because for a lot of us you know we all pursued careers or education that is the furthest thing away from like you know even production but we're out here handling business because these are the skills that the streets taught us right so don't ever like downplay yourselves with whatever you know streets or like street smarts that you do have like for us it's so important to always rep the hoods that we come from you know because all of us do come from like the fucking barrio straight up you know I'm from Boyle Heights Norms is from South Central um, Funky Caramelo is from Pico Union Julio Salgado is from uh, North Long Beach which is hood <laughs> um, and Paolo, where's Paolo from? Paolo's from Pasadena. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> no, you know what? Pasadena, 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 Hey, that's why I said most of us. No. <laughs> but no, honestly, yes, go to school, but also uh, follow your passion. I mean, I'm a history major. If you would have told me three years from, you know, ago that I would have been producing events, cumbiaton events, like there's no way in hell that I would have believed you. So if you if your passion is to go to school and also you another you have another passion on the side do both why not but yeah she's a history major from UCLA I'm gonna just throw it out there yeah thank you thank you Mala is that how you feel too like did you like when you were getting your now looking back like your degree is from Tufts like did you think you'd be like doing panels and doing parties and podcasting and shit like (laughs) no like oh my brand is multi-dimensional ho like, right did you think that that was gonna be the brand I had no idea I had, about sex fans exactly I had no idea but it's one of those things where like okay how many of us have heard that we're wasting our time on our social media we've been on social media since MySpace since we were children since yes. AIM since, since AIM. before that and always the rhetoric has been you're wasting your time you're wasting your time do this do that but there's a path there's something there social media has been so important as a vehicle for organizing for cumbiaton and for locatora so all that to say ignore the haters don't listen to them (laughs) do what you want to do it'll work out it'll pan out you know um so we have a couple more questions left yes um so shifting gears a little bit but still in line with what we were talking about you have both mentioned you know, healing on the dance floor, resistance at Cumbiaton, right? Can you talk about Undocu Joy and centering Undocu Joy 
Because that's what cumbiaton is, yeah. right? Can you talk about that? Um, so this goes along with, you know, how Cecile mentioned when everything, you know, like when shit hit the fan with that fool becoming president, and I, I, I refuse to say his 45, name. 45, yeah. That fool. Yeah. Trompudo, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. El trompudo. Um, you know, like we knew things were going to get even worse, right? So we were, we're already used to things being stacked up against us, and we're used to, like, making the best out of the worst situation. And so um, Cumbiaton is where we, it's a space where we preserve and joy, where folks who are undocumented, they can come and and really, you know, just be themselves, have fun on the dance floor, and really express their and joy despite of everything that's happening outside in the world, you know, so... That's that's what Indocu Joy for me is. Yeah, and for us, it's also about again uplifting the narrative that we're not necessarily these pitiful pobrecitos, pobrecitas, pobrecitores, right? Folks that can't fend for themselves, that don't have a voice, not saying you don't need to speak for us. You just need to pass the mic. You just need to shed the light, right? Whether it's the speakers, whether it's the artists. Again, I go back to this because it's so important to also like, you know, whoever is having events to also check your friends, right? You have, and like for me, we see all of these brands now being like, you know, yes, uh, fucking dreamers and fuck eyes, yes, we el otro. Great, that's cute, you know, but out of nowhere, basically, because it's like the trendy thing to do. I was just telling you the, uh, the other day, I was like, God, damn, girl, like being undocumented is popular again, you know? <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing cute really about being undocumented. We have to deal with fucking trauma, real ass depression, real ass life choices. You know, we're 30. When we got here, you know, like we haven't even, most of us haven't even been able to leave the country, you know? Um, and for us, like this is an ongoing thought that we have to have with uh, thought and conversation that we have with each other, right? Like our youth is escaping us. We're, we're not going to stay here in this freaking jaula de oro, like I, I like to call it, right? Like in this cage of gold, right? I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to take un viaton to, to, you know, Colombia, to El DF, to Spain. Well, maybe not Spain. I don't know. Y'all the colonizers. <laughs> but you know different places. I don't know. It just popped into my head. I haven't traveled the world. Don't judge me. <laughs> but it's all of these things that I want to be able to do, right, personally, but also with our collective, right? That's what I want to be able to do. And for us, it's so important to continue to hold space for one another for all of these types of conversations. And even a party that is ran for and by undocumented people because when, again, things go sour, right, you will show up to a spot, you will show up to a place, and we don't even have to tell each other. We don't even have to exchange a word. We have to exchange eyes. We just, you know share this kind of face, this kind of connection that I don't think anybody else will ever know unless you go through of like, damn, sis, like, this is happening, you know? And at the end of the day, we're still going to be out here resisting, whether it's dancing, whether it's healing, whether it's singing, whether it's crying on the dance floor, but we're doing that together. And that's a special type of connection that, you know, I don't think anybody will ever know unless you absolutely go through that. So, you know, that's why it's important for us to continue to uplift 
not only the narratives, but like, you know, just our experiences, everything that we do is for and by our community because we know like how fucked up things are. Let's show love once again. Once again, we love you so much. I love y'all. Goodness. We love y'all. We have one final question, then we're going to open up um, for Q&A. We're going to open it up for questions. So it is the launch of Hispanic Heritage Month, and we're wondering what your thoughts are about, because I'm sure you probably, during certain times of the year, Cinco de Mayo, Hispanic Heritage Month, Dia de los Muertos, you probably get hit up extra. Uh So I'm wondering your thoughts on like these more corporate holidays versus celebrating who we are throughout the year. If you have any thoughts about that. Well, that goes along with what Sassi just mentioned, how it's hip to be undocumented now and everyone's fuck guys and, um, you know, working against, uh, or fighting for immigrant rights. Um, the celebration of Latinx heritage should be all year round. And one of the things that, for example, we try and focus on at Comiaton is that Latinx doesn't, doesn't primarily mean Mexican. We, we try and stay away from being Mexican-centric because our collective is mostly Mexican. We have Paolo, who's Peruvian. Yeah. Um, Paolo, shout out. Shout out to Paolo. <laughs> yeah. From Pasadena. Yes. <laughs> Déjalo. No seas. I, I love Paolo. He's such a cutie. But um, Latinx is, you know, it's not, we are constantly fighting against trying to be, or fighting against being Mexican-centric because Latinx is not just Mexico, it's different, you know, different Latin American countries, so uh, um, that's, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Expanding the conversation throughout the year, always, at all the events. Celebrating every day, all day, every day, type of thing. Yeah, and this is actually a conversation we're going to have, we're going to have to have with the venue, because again, as Norms is mentioning, we don't like to be just Mexi-centric, right, because there's a whole lot of things wrong with Mexicans, y'all, and I say this as a Mexican myself. Yeah, Yeah, especially with the Central American refugees right now in Mexico, And anti-black Blackness and anti indigenous homophobia. Uh, the uh, list goes on and on. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So we are um, for folks who were at our Cumiaton event. Um, we had Banda Las Angelinas perform. They're uh, all woman-led banda from uh, mostly East LA and Compton, and they're amazing, right? However, I don't know if you noticed, but there was a Mexican flag in the background, and then the Mexican light theme. Mm-hmm like theme lights we didn't ask for that and so the venue took it upon themselves to 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 showcase that and so that's an issue that we have because first of all like like how do you feel so comfortable like incorporating your own ideas into our production and so um it's that privilege it's that privilege for men that think oh they are mexicans this makes yeah this makes sense yeah so it's like, so we're gonna have a conversation about that because as Comiaton, we don't, we we do not want to be Mexican centric. Um, so, yeah, it's gonna happen. I don't know how it's gonna go, but it's gonna happen. 
And I think that it, it just goes along with like everything, right? Even with like June, right? Pride month, everybody, yes. all of a sudden is queer, right? Banks, Coca-Cola, freaking the NFL, the Not army, enough. right? The police, <laughs> the police, right? No, yes, absolutely. And there's still people that have police at Pride and that's a whole other issue. But I'm like, y'all don't even know the history of it and like y'all over be here share, shaking and like promoting freaking pride I'm like we we all don't like you just as an FYI but you know right. what that's another podcast episode girl no like the yeah pride and the cops and not remembering the Stonewall riots yeah. and we can talk about that another day yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah but it, go, it goes back to that right of like this commercialized almost identity right that it's like oh it's cool to be queer in june and it's cool to be mexi-centric in september and i don't know what happens in october but let's shift to that right but for us it's about continuously paying homage to our queer ancestors to just like the cultural workers that don't necessarily have to be mexican right a lot of them are central american southern american right that are just doing freaking work and i think that is definitely one of the things that we try to consistently fight whether it's with the venues or whether it's you know this doesn't just happen off of like one incident right it has to be continuously challenged because that's how people unfortunately kind of just generalize us all and it's it sucks well we want to thank you so much for being here with us tonight and doing everything you do Thank you for having us. And thank y'all for listening. (laughs) And also, for folks who don't know, Sizzle is our resident DJ. So she DJs all of our Locatora live shows. I do. She's on the stage with us. We do a variety show. We have so much love for the both of you, for the Cumbiaton Collective. Once again, thank you for being being here here with us. Thank you for having us. And Major, thank you to The Wing for hosting this conversation tonight and for approaching us about doing this. Yes, give it up for The Wing. So we're going to open it up. Yeah, I think Q&A. It's, it's Q&A time. So we have a mic here. So for whoever has questions for Sizzle, for Norms, for us, yeah, it's all you. Not everyone at once. <laughs> Good evening, ladies. Hi. When it comes time to pass the baton on to the next generation, what is your greatest expectation of them? Dang, way to make me feel old. (laughs) I mean, we do have the ongoing joke in Cumiaton that we should have started. We're all in our 30s, and we should have started this when we were in our 20s, right? But um, I would say to continue with with holding our our vision and mission of, you know, supporting one another, keeping community at the forefront, um, and not, I guess, selling out to certain um, trends. Um, but actually, I'm not sure. That's a, that's a loaded question. Um, but what do you mean by the next generation? Yeah. Because you've put so much love and hard work, blood, sweat, and tears into this. So mm-hmm. what is it that you're hoping or expecting that this becomes 10 years from now? Um, 
Well, I mean, the goal from the beginning has always been to establish relationships with other folks in other states. If you want to see your own kind of cumiaton happen within your city, you started, we'll connect, we'll collaborate, but essentially you create your space however you want it to see, how you want to see it, right? But I think, like I said, for folks to continue with community building and keeping our um, fighting for immigrant rights and keeping our mission and vision at the forefront of whatever event or space you create. Yeah, um, yes, absolutely. But I think also just being mindful of taking in like um, potential, um, what would you call it? If I'm a mentor, they are a fent mentee. Fentees. Hey. Yes, I am about the fentees, right? Because I think it's important. It's important, you know, and I've thought about this as I continue to transition now into my Doña stages. Um, <laughs> And I am happy about it because I'm like, yeah, girl, I can't do a 24-hour rager. Like, I will join you for five hours and then be like, okay, the way my back and my knees are set up, um, I need to go to sleep right now, you know? So um, I'm consistently thinking about that. And also within my own DJ career, right? Like, unfortunately, and this is, this is some things that we still have to work towards, right? Like, you could be a male DJ and be in the business for, like, freaking 40 years and still kill it, right? You could be a woman DJ and maybe be in, in the business if you're really good and if you practice your technique, whatever, but it also, unfortunately, and it's so messed up to say or it's so messed up to even like acknowledge it, right? A lot of it does rely on your looks, right? And a lot of it when you become like, you know, a, a certain age or when you become a mother, right? Like all of these things, unfortunately, um, they're, they're factors into how you get booked. Right. Um, so for me, I've also thought about it. I know I'm not going to be in the industry like, you know, until I'm 50. Girl, I don't want to be up in the club until I'm 50. I'm just telling you. And, and, and those that do it, I mean, shout out to, to you, I guess, and your bachelor life, whatever. I don't know. That's just not the type of life I'm trying to live. But, you know, I'm also thinking about how am I going to, like, you know, empower the next generation of women DJs, of women producers, of women entrepreneurs, because all of these, like, resources and all of the knowledge that I have in my brain, it's not just for me to, like, keep it up here, right? It is my duty as women of color to pass it down to the next generation to be like don't let these motherfuckers think that they can try and run some game on you girl no this is what we're gonna do I'm, a, I'm not gonna be there at the meeting with you but this is what how I'm gonna coach you so that you can go in there and fight your own fights right so it's about that resource sharing it's about yeah. making those intentional connections with folks now that you mentioned that yeah for example being a, an event producer like I can share everything I've learned from, from you know, like dealing with each and every men, uh, venue, like how to set up your emails, what kind of details you need to send, what kind of questions you need to send, uh, you know, what kind of responses you need over, over, uh, through email or over email so you can, you know, go back and say, hey, this is what you wrote and this is what I'm expecting, right? So just in general, like how to have the, con the initial conversations of booking the event, um, the details how to, you know, send over the details or how to book talent or how to just in general, like I can, sh I can share everything that I've learned so far as an event producer, maybe write a manual or something, or if you are wanting to set up an event and you need guidance, I'm always down to share whatever knowledge I already have. So 
yeah, I can do that. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, we got more questions over here. Yes. Why is it taking so long to do a cumbiaton in San Diego? <laughs> El San Diego. From National sure. City specifically. Girl, I was there this morning. Like, I literally <laughs> drove from San Diego to over here, and I got here, like, at 3. I was like, let me take a quick 15-minute nap, and let me do this. But you know what? We've actually been trying to get to San Diego for a minute. We tried, and it goes along with, like, you know, we reach out to venues, and once again, they underestimate us, or they don't know much about us, and they're like, no, this isn't something that we're interested in. But there was a venue that we actually reached out to. They never got back to us. But if you're interested in having us in your town, it's just a matter of reaching out to us and helping us find that venue to have our event. But... Yeah, it, we, we already tried. San if Diego. you build it, they will come. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think the venues know what the hell is up. But, um, you know, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm also going to be honest. I don't think we've tried like super hard because our emphasis has also been on securing the venues that have or like securing or making sure that the shows run as smooth as they can yeah. go to the venues that have said yes. You know what I mean? So we're not going to sit there and be like, oh, my God, please, this is what we do. And like, I mean, Please let us in. No, no we're not going mean, to do that. We're also very critical <laughs> as to what venues we reach out to, like especially, you know, gentrification is a real issue, right? And so we are very careful to go into places that have been gentrified and are owned white by white people, right? So if you have a great venue that we should have, like in mind, that we should have comiaton in or, you know, go along with our community guidelines, then let us know, but... We're, we're very critical as to where we want to take Comiaton to. We'll be in San Diego soon, though. <laughs> I promise you I'm that. Down. <laughs> First of all, y'all look super badass and really amazing. So thank y'all for coming here and showing up. Um, so my question is, you were talking about how um, when you would work with like white men specifically and how they would like underestimate you. But then when you guys would kind of bring out all your people and business and basically money that has a lot of power. So like, how would you, how do you guys feel kind of like walking into that power now um, when you guys are reaching out to new venues? It's something that for me personally, I'm still getting used to. Um, like we just had our two year anniversary at the globe and it was a successful night. Right. And so we're, we need to have a post-production meeting where I need to prep exactly knowing that we had a successful event. I need to prepare myself to like go in there and own that and say, Hey, like if we're going to come back to your venue and have another comiaton. This is exactly what I need. Otherwise it might not happen. Norms, do you have a post-production meeting with the venue? We try to. Oh Yeah. Oh, we yeah. have to. Okay. Yeah. We have to. You know, I go in there and I go with like the, the printout of the bar, my notes, things I didn't like, things that went wrong, things that could have been avoided and go through them, have them basically have them explain to us why things didn't work out, how we 
expect them to work out. You have to. Mala, write that down. You have to. <laughs> you really have to, especially down. with these venues that have all of the, the, this type of clout. Like, yeah. we're not going to ask the billiards, hey, guys, please, you know? <laughs> I Honestly, like, the señoras are probably, like, in their 60s, 50s serving alcohol, you know? And that's l- legit one of the venues that has treated us with more customer service than oh, yeah. we've gotten at these yeah. prestigious ones yeah. because, you know, we're dealing with community folks versus dealing with, you know, people that think they're on some stuff and you're like, dude, really, I've been doing this for longer than you've been alive, basically. But, yes, it's really important to have post-production so that when they come with, like, whatever rebuttal they have, you already have all your facts in order. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the night, they're always like, oh, my God, this is great. I have not been into a venue where they don't fail to offer offer us residency. Please come back every month. And we're like, "Um, please reply to our email about a (laughs) post-production meeting because that is going to be the deciding factor. Exactly. It's I mean, post-production meetings is a huge it's a new concept for us. Right. But they're very important because. Especially if they if they share that they love the event and they want to have you back, oh hell yeah, this is I'm I'm the one in power right now. The balls okay, in your fine. court. Fine, let's we could have an event, but this is exactly what I'm gonna what we're gonna need in order to have another comiaton at your venue. Word. Yeah, we've had similar experiences, nowhere near to the scale of the Cumbiaton Collective and the parties you throw, but we've done a couple of parties here and there, a couple parties. Sold out parties, bitch. A couple sold out parties. (laughs) Right. But it's the same thing, like, the venue owners are always white. And what's so wild to me is I think of nightlife in Los Angeles, and I think of people of color, I think of women of color, like, you are not going to go to a popping party and it's only straight white guys there. It does not happen. That does not exist. Mm-hmm. Does not exist. Like, if it's a good party, there are people of color there. There are women there. There are queer people there. So the fact that, like, the nightlife is created by us, but fighting to create the nightlife mm-hmm. is so wild to me. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, another conversation for another day. But there were more questions. Yeah. Melina's got a question. Over here. Over there. <laughs> Melina of Orange is the New Black. Most recent. Ew. Kill it, kill it. You. Yes. Hey. I love you all. Hey. You're all we very love fabulous. You. We love you too. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So I want to know, I'm, uh, let's, let's like create some manifestation right here. What's like a wish list for a cumbiaton party in the future? And it could be the very near future, whether it has to do with guests or, or the type of music you have or something specific for the venue or, or giveaways or like, you know, I, I insert myself in there somehow, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, also for y'all, because I've been to your live events and they're popping. So like, like just, I want to get excited and like look forward to a, another popping party. What are some, some things on your wish list that you want to have? For me, I would say I want to have more funding for Cumiaton. Um, you know, putting on a, a whole production, um, it takes a lot of work and it takes funds, mostly because we do come from a or labor organizing background and whoever we do bring on to our show, we pay living wages. We definitely do not believe in labor, uh, free labor, and so we want to pay everyone for their labor. However, sometimes we're very limited with our, with our funding, and um, 
Um, so I would, I wish we had more funding to go to different, more cities, especially to be able to travel to different cities with the whole collective and not just a few of us because of funding. Um, what else? Um, I mean, ultimately, like we mentioned, I would love to travel outside the U.S. and bring freaking Cumiaton to Mexico, to Oaxaca, to, you know, my hometown. Um, but... Hopefully it happens. Hopefully. Yeah, dude, the dreams for Cumbiaton are big. Like, I don't think they're going to stop at a 15,000 capacity venue, you know? 50 and throwing Cumbiaton. We're going to be 50 <laughs> throwing Cumbiaton, but probably not as, like, stressed out, hopefully. Right? We're going to sit there enjoying the backstage where everybody, <laughs> Locatora, I'm seeing, maybe. I don't know, girl. No, girl. Is, is <laughs> You know, or maybe our children's out there and seeing, I don't know, yes. being cute, you know what I mean? But I think yeah. definitely the hopes and the dreams for Cumbiaton are big. I envision Cumbiaton as a festival, not only, you know, where it's, I mean, a party's great, doing all of that is great, but again, like a festival that is conscious about the community struggles, a, a festival that is conscious and wary of like cultura, culture makers and, and shifters, there's Afro-punk, Afro-funk, yeah. right, that do and hire all black folks, right? And I think that's the most beautiful freaking thing, and they're unapologetic about it, and that's what I want to do with our communities as well, continue to create these platforms because again the talent is there unfortunately our talent doesn't get booked or gets overlooked a lot of the time so that is my biggest and realest freaking goal for Cumbiaton to be able to take it you know not only nationwide because that's checked um, but also take it like worldwide why not yeah, I would also want to add, I mean, the Cumbiaton Collective is essentially an art collective and of, or a collective of artists, right? So I would want to see Cumbiaton having an office space where we have space to work, an actual printer to print Bro, stuff. owning our own venue. Owning, owning our, our own venue. venue. We've yes, talked girl. about this. We've, We've talked, talked about, about this. Yeah, being able to print stuff from, like, our office instead of being <laughs> The printing is important. Seeing to work and printing it out, you know? Know, um, have you know? We also discuss you know providing scholarships to other undocumented folks, providing space for other folks to come in and you know like uh, uh, work on their art. So yeah, I, I hope we get to that. I I wish we get to that. We point. will. We will. We will. Fucking office space as beautiful as the wing where we can have other people to come in and we have other events. You know, not just party uh, night. You know, night parties, but that's the goal. If you know yeah. funders, yeah. holla at your girls. Yeah. Funders, yeah. pay undocumented artists, hey. pay women of color. Absolutely. Thank you, Melina, for that question. Melina Bobadilla, everyone. Shout out. So I think we have time for two more questions. Hi, everybody. My name is Jacqueline. I am originally from El Paso, Texas, born and raised. My mom is from Cuauhtémoc, Chihuahua. I was going to say, I want to facilitate a panel in El Paso, Texas, if you're open to it. I would say, let's go party in Juarez, but I, I don't know if that's... <laughs> About that. ...right now. Um, we could figure it out, but I definitely want to connect and see if we can facilitate a panel in my hometown and see if... We can brainstorm for some funding. I know that there are ways with, you know, writing up letters and sending emails and reaching mm -hmm. out to a monumental amount of people. So 
I'll connect with you after. But that was just, you know, something I wanted to share and, and see if we can brainstorm a little bit about El Paso. That would be great. Thank, Thank you. you. We can go to Juarez. We just can't come back, girl. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. Let's. I'm let's trying to El come Paso. back. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> One more question. Final question. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Valerie. Um, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and the ways that you guys are taking up space. Um, it's really like lovely to see. And something that kept popping in my mind is like with these parties that you're throwing in Cumbiaton, um, do you guys ever worry about being targets of, um, I don't know, ICE agents or anything like that? I just wonder what that's like. How do you create a safe space? Does that ever cross your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always, you know, as an undocumented immigrant, you can't escape that reality no matter how hard you try, no matter how, you know, bomb the music is, no matter how lit you are, you can't escape the fact that you're still undocumented, even if you're lit, even if you're lost in thought, right? So that has definitely come about. And it's one of those things where people are like, well, why are you all so vocal about being undocumented? And for us, it's important because, you know, that's how we show our resistance and our resilience in this country, right? Because that's what they want. They want us to shut up. They want us to be afraid. They want us not to be as like active, as hustling, as, you know, just powerful as we are. But in, you know, when we do that, we are being untruthful to ourselves, right? Like undocumented people are some of the most powerful, resilient people that I've ever met in my entire life, right? Some of the people that have been able to handle, you know, whatever comes their way, even before being undocumented was cool, right? Even before the whole dreamer movement, the whole, you know, immigrant rights movement, nah, they've been undocumented people here even before and they've been existing, right? They existed back then. We're existing right now and we'll continue to exist after that. So I think it's very important to also I, I we have a duty, right, to the younger generations to kind of let them know that we are still, you know, we've been thriving with and without DACA. We were that generation that actively fought for deferred action, that tied ourselves to freaking ladders and, like, got in front of buses, got arrested. We were that generation that did all of that, right? And because we did all of that, we were able to gain so much from, you know, this administration, right? Maybe not this one, but in the previous one, right? We were able to gain so much. So for us, right, it's really important to continue to uplift that no matter what, you know, like we're living in in crazy, dire ass times. But, you know, these are the times that it's especially important for people, especially artists, people with any type of platform to speak up and speak out. You know, Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm always unafraid all the time. No, bitch, I'm undocumented and sometimes afraid. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, I know that my empowerment and my resilience and, you know, all of that is so crucial, not only to my being, but to those around me and those who are looking, you know, for, I mean, whether we like it or not, you know, we do have some young ones who also look up to us and I'm not going to be over here being on no punk stuff, right? I'm going to be like, nah, dude, like this is what we got to do. These are the cards that we were dealt, but we're still going to continue to thrive. 
Let's thank you. Yeah. I mean, this this concludes our night. Um, I just want to thank so much love and admiration and thanks to Sizzle and Norms just for everything that you are, your talents, every, your genius, your brilliance. Thank you. Um, and thank you to The Wing for hosting tonight's conversation. Thanks to all of y'all for coming, for sitting with us. We'll be around for a little bit. Yeah. We're yeah. Locatora Radio. Thank you, everybody. Thank y'all. This is actually my first speaking engagement, so I was really nervous, but I'm good now. <laughs> hey, give it up for Norms. Thank y'all. You can follow us at Cumbiaton underscore LA or at Norms La Oaxaqueña or at Sizzle007 on Instagram, which is basically our business profile. So, hey. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank y'all. diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.